Well, there's a place in the world where people seldom visit. Um, it's not that you can't go there. It's just that it's difficult to go there. And so if you go there, I think there's this huge discovery to be made. But you have to put in the effort to get there. And maybe you've seen the documentary recently, My Octopus Teacher. And in this documentary, there's a guy who goes every day diving in the ocean underwater to discover the world that is under the water. And his effort to do that just pays huge dividends in what he receives back. And we're going to watch the trailer in just a second, but I'd want to invite you into this idea of us and God as well. That there's this place with God that he invites us to. It's not always easy to get there, but the dividends, the things you get back are amazing. So open your imagination as you watch this trailer from the documentary, My Octopus Teacher. started seeing this really strange thing. A lot of people say an octopus is like an alien. But the strange thing is, as you get closer to them, you realize that you're very similar in a lot of ways. Sometimes you just get a feeling and you know there's something to this creature that's very unusual. There's something to learn here. I had to have a radical change in my life. And the only way I knew to do it was to be in this ocean with her. And then I had this crazy idea. What happens if I just went every day? sentimental towards animals before. I realized I was changing. My relationship with people, with humans, was changing. What she taught me was to feel that you're part of this place, not a visitor. That's a huge difference. amazing underwater and going there and just as he said to go every day and do you know what there's another place we often go that keeps us from going there every day and that is the water park at the beach so if you imagine this is also at the ocean and it's a giant distraction from actually going into the ocean and actually, you might think, oh, you know, the ocean, you know, the water's kind of dirty, it's salty, it's inconvenient, um, there's fish in there, and as Muana would tell you, the fish pee in the water. 
So come to the distraction of the water park where it's clean and nice and you'll be infinitely entertained. Well, these two images are so fascinating because they're both connected to the ocean. But there's this invitation for us in this, I think, of God inviting us into something deeper and for us to every day go there. Well, our passage of scripture is from the chapter of 6 in John, his gospel, Gospel of John. And in this chapter, he talks about the feeding of the 5,000. And here's how this story begins. It says, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So we start out, and there's this huge crowd of people that are gathering around Jesus. And they are following him because they're excited. They're excited about the signs, the miracles, the wonders that he has done. But this isn't actually very encouraging. In the story, John often uses that phrase, um, because they saw the signs he had done. And it's kind of tipping us off to something's wrong here. They're coming because of the signs. Something's wrong with their heart. You know, they, they are excited about Jesus and the things he's doing, and they believe that he's a genuine miracle worker. But something's wrong. So then we go into the story of the feeding of the 5,000, which is, of course, the wonderful story of a little boy saying, I've got five barley loaves of bread and two little fish, and offering it up. And, of course, in that great just... Going back to the creation moment where Jesus, the creator of the universe, takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it over and over and over, and gives the bread. And he feeds 5,000 people, just like an astounding number, something that's just extraordinary. And if that's not enough, there are 12 basketfuls left over. So no one can afterwards say, well, but I didn't eat enough. Because there was more left over if you had wanted to. So this is the moment, the miracle, the sign that Jesus did. But if we jump to the end of the story to see how some people responded, we'll see what's wrong. It says in verse 14, After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who's come into the world. They're excited. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Why does Jesus withdraw? John Piper's insight is this. He said, because the enthusiasm these people have is not for who Jesus really is. They have an enthusiasm for Jesus, but it's not who Jesus really is. This is also important for us today as well, as we can get great enthusiasms about Jesus, get very excited, but sometimes our excitement isn't about who Jesus is and the real Jesus. You know, we may have some extra things about Jesus added in, and Piper makes a really great list. He says, maybe you're Jesus is the morally exemplary Jesus. 
or the socialist Jesus or the capitalist Jesus. Maybe you want the anti-Semitic Jesus or you prefer the white racist Jesus or maybe the revolutionary liberationist Jesus or the countercultural cool Jesus. You know, all these are Jesus things that are not the real Jesus. They're this thing that people get excited about. <clears throat> As they see Jesus and they want to grab onto the benefits and the power of Jesus and apply it to their agenda. So Jesus is not honored when you're honoring a not Jesus thing. So Jesus, what does he do when this happens? He just slips off and goes off alone to the mountain. So there's two things that the people are trying to fit Jesus into their box, into their category, the thing that they feel comfortable with in life, and they understand. So they try to put Jesus into the box they know that you are the prophet. And a prophet is, in history for the Jewish people, is a person who's speaking for God, pointing to God, doing things for God to bring the people's attention to God which is a good thing, but Jesus is way more than a prophet. So in verse uh, 32, Jesus says this in making a little point. He says, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. So what Jesus is bringing up here is Moses is a prophet. He's God's instrument pointing the people to God. So when they were out in the desert wandering for 40 years, and God every day gave them manna, bread to eat, Jesus says, okay, who gave that bread? Not Moses. God. God gave the bread. And now, just now, um, there was a m miracle of multiplication of bread. Who gave the bread? I gave you the bread. I am the bread of life sent from heaven here to earth. I am the one to focus on, to pay attention to. Don't get distracted by the miracle of the bread. Like, that is great and extraordinary. But, but look over here. Look at me. Focus in on me. I am the one. So Jesus withdrew because they were trying to stick him in a box of familiarity of being a prophet. But they were also trying to put him in this box of becoming a king. They wanted to force him to become king. And once again, yes, Jesus, yes, is Jesus king? Yeah, he's king of the universe, but he's not king like they wanted him to be king. They want him to be political king. You know, to use some of this amazing power and apply it in the category they know of political power and get them what they want. Just apply your power to what we want already. So in responding to this, Jesus, you know, feeds the 5,000, slips away. Next day is across the lake. The crowd once again comes and finds him and follows him. And here's how Jesus responds to them once again after they've hustled around to find him. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, 
but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So once again, we see Jesus withdrew from them because he was not the king that they thought. He separated himself. Their king, their definition of king was a full stomach. Their definition of a king was getting the blessings. They wanted the benefits that Jesus was doing. They wanted the bread. They wanted, you know, the blessings. But they didn't want the maker of the bread. They didn't want the the giver of the blessings. They just wanted the benefits. So the problem at the feeding of the 5,000 was that the people wanted to just stick Jesus into the categories, into the boxes that they knew and are familiar with. And when they were inside their box, they could not see out to see who Jesus fully was as the Son of God. They could only see what they wanted to see. And they were blocked from seeing Jesus, the full part of the Trinity, Son of God. They saw Jesus as a solution to their problems, but they didn't see the Son of God. And since Jesus didn't come to the world to, like, just lend some of his power to the appetites that were already present here, he slips away and leaves them. So what is Jesus doing in the making of the miracle of the loaves and a few fish being multiplied to feed 5,000 people. It's like Jesus in that miracle is opening a window to who he is. He's making himself known. He's manifesting the glory of God that is in him, that he is the son of God sent from heaven to be the bread of life. He's opening that window for people to see. But the problem is, People are just getting excited about the bread. And they're missing the deeper thing of who Jesus is. Here they're saying, oh yeah, just feed us. Make our stomachs full. That's what we want. And Jesus is trying to open this window for people to see, to see him, to see Jesus as better than anything they've ever wanted. That he is what they want. It is the fullness of him, the nourishment, the goodness. So the point of making bread out of nothing is that the Son of, Son of God has come into our world not to give us bread. I mean, it's nice when that happens, but Jesus came not to give us bread, but to be our bread. To be a sustaining, ongoing, forever nourishment to us. Something that lasts. It isn't just once and done, but it's this relationship that begins and continues and goes on and on. And that was the lesson that God tried to teach back in the desert with the manna. Think about the manna every day. God would put it out and provide food for them to eat. And God was trying to teach them, I am your God and I want you to be my people. You can trust me. Trust me. Every day I'll put the bread out. Just go pick it up. It's free. Just eat. Be nourished. You can trust me. And that's the call in and that invitation to be God's people. And now, once again, Jesus taking bread in this miracle is once again J Jesus inviting us in. I want you to be my people. 
I want to be your God and for you to be my people and for this relationship to be here and for it to happen. And for Jesus to say, look, I am the bread of life and I'm going to lay down my life on the cross so that the gates of heaven will be open and we can now be in relationship, God and people together. So Jesus fed those 5,000 people inviting them into something deeper, opening that window to see who he was. And yet, there was the distraction, the distraction of the miracle, the sign. And that's where it's a little bit like my octopus teacher versus the water park. The my octopus teacher takes effort to go in every day into the water. And and if you can think about this with God, man, some days the water is cold and it's hard to go in there. Other days the waves are slamming around and it just is, feels dangerous and unsafe. Other days you go down there and the water's all stirred up and murky and you can't even see what's happening in there anyway. And you think, why did I come down here? But by going every day and every day, the discoveries that are made, that's the miracle of connecting and finding God. And the opposite is all the distractions I've been railing on, complaining against the internet lately. Because the internet is like this buffet spread out for us to constantly come to and just gorge ourselves on information. It's like a huge distraction Instead of going in daily and finding and digging for ourselves, we're just eating the, the junk food of the surface. I think God is inviting us into a deeper life with him. And it takes some effort on our part. If you think about the Psalm 23 invitation that God gave, that he will prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. That doesn't sound so great or easy or pleasant. But I think if we go there and are there, God has an abundance in that waiting. But what do we do instead? We say, oh God, thank you for setting that table over there with those not nice people. I just want to hang out with my internet friends and agree with them and we can just all be happy together. That's so much easier. And I actually don't have to see them face to face or look them in the eye. Or God is inviting us into this deeper work of meditation on the scriptures. You know, this historic thing that for thousands of years, people have been meditating on the word of God, eating it like bread into their souls. And we say, no, no, God, thank you. I'm going to stick to podcasts. Because, you know, they just give me these nuggets and I can just scoop the nuggets up. I don't even have to do the hard work. I just get the benefits. Or God invites us into contentment. This great idea where God says, be still and know that I am God. And we say, no, thank you, God. I would like some distractions. And actually, can I just have a steady flow of distractions just to keep me entertained? As we are all coming back out of this past year, we are re-putting the rhythms of our life back together. And I want to invite you 
as you were putting in the rhythms once again, as you were making choices of what you will do with your time, how you'll spend it, what you will do, I want to encourage you to go toward the deeper things of God. Perhaps it's the, I commit to every day going in, no matter what. And this isn't an easy path. This is not the water park path of life, where everything's easy and fun and exciting. It's odd, but I think there's a more difficult path that God invites us into to walk with God, to journey with God. And in that, we get this abundance that we can't even imagine. So as you come to the communion table this morning, I invite you to be thinking about what is God inviting you deeper into? And also, what is distracting you? What are you easily caught up in that pulls you away from going into the deeper things? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you wanting a fullness of you. And there are so many distractions in our world that pull us away. And not necessarily even bad things, but just things that distract us from giving our time and attention to you. So, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would stir up in us a desire to be with you, to know you, to pursue you, as you have pursued us. And for us also to go out toward others and live a life in community with the other children of God that you've put us with. And God, that in that you would bless us with the riches of knowing you and being with you and enjoying life spent with you. I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.